Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. The Killer Women Vodcast is pleased to be a part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. To learn more about Danielle and her books, visit her at www.daniellegirard.com and to access all of our vodcasts, go to youtube.com forward slash authors on the air. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Welcome to Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network with over 4 million listeners. I'm your host, suspense author Danielle Girard, and my guest today is Lisa Unger. Lisa is a New York Times bestselling and award-winning author. Her books have been published in 32 languages and have been voted best of the year or top picks by the Today Show, Good Morning America, Entertainment Weekly, and others. Her nonfiction work has appeared in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, NPR, and Travel and Leisure. Lisa lives on the west coast of Florida with her family. Welcome, Lisa. Hi. Hi, Danielle. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. So first off, I guess I should ask, is everything okay in your area of Florida? Yes. Yeah, we're okay. Um, we we did think we were going to get a direct hit, and then kind of at the last minute, the storm veered, uh, veered a bit south. We evacuated. Um, so that's, you know, it's not the first time we've evacuated. We live on the water in Florida. So this is sort of a, you know, it's yeah. a, a hazard of, of living here. But yeah, um, the storm did veer to the um, to the south of us and an uh, area south of us took a, a much bigger hit and we were very, very lucky. Yeah, it's so crazy. I mean, I so we're going to talk today about secluded cabin sleep six, which was so fun and such a fun read. And it's funny because a lot of the, you know, I'm in Montana. So these sort of backwoodsy, you know, type cabins are everywhere around here. But to be in one in Florida was so, in Georgia, I guess the book, the cabins it? in Georgia. Yeah. But to yeah. imagine you in Florida and all that heat and warmth, it's so interesting. But I, I forget, I mean, I obviously am aware of those storms, but I forgot that, yeah, yeah. you could, you, that is, I can't imagine that's very different from, from living um, a thousand miles from the ocean, as it turns out, those you yeah. don't have. <laughs> I mean, it's that it's that kind of weird thing like you know we're both from the northeast my husband and I you know he's from Michigan I'm from New York area and like sort of all over but we've been in Florida we've been in Florida now for um 22 years and yeah. we've always lived on the water and so you know and, and it's a known thing you know um that you know the, the storms are getting worse and you know it's a the climate is changing. Yeah. And, uh, so how that plays out for us over the next couple of years, I don't really know for sure. But yeah. Thoughtful about it. I would imagine. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's gotta be unnerving. Although, you know, there's, I mean, we have wildfires, right? There's things about every area, especially as the world, as the climate is changing and the world yeah. is changing that are getting heightened. Yeah. So um, well, I'm glad you guys are okay. I'm glad it uh, it veered south and and you didn't have to deal with because that is sounds horrible. And obviously, you're in your home because it's beautiful, and I can see your bookshelves behind mm -hmm. you, so you're safe and sound. Okay, so t tell our listeners um, about Secluded Cabin Sleep Six. Okay, so when you start Secluded Cabin Sleep Six, you're going to meet um, Hannah and 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 Mako. They're a brother and sister, and on the outside they. Kind of seem to have this like idyllic sibling relationship 
And Mako is, you know, kind of prone to the grand gesture and he wants to take his sister and her husband and his wife um, and their family friend Cricket and her mysterious new boyfriend to a luxurious cabin in the woods. Hannah knows her brother well enough to know that, you know, he's running some kind of an agenda, but she's like, you know, very indulgent of him. And so the couples, three couples head out to this very beautiful, but very isolated cabin. And um, they bring with them all kinds of baggage, you know, <laughs> secrets and lies and, you know, a complicated, twisty history with each other. And, um, and then and there's a stranger, you know, lurking in the shadows and the stranger is running a dark agenda, looking for revenge on things that happened long before Hannah and Mako were ever Yes. And I just say like, let's, one of the things I thought you did so beautifully is in that cabin, which is actually beautiful. I imagine it, you know, if you didn't have the spooky <laughs> agenda, the, the, we would all probably love to stay there, right? There's a chef yeah. and there's, but some of the details, including the bear's head, which, you know, um, I mean, I'm sorry, but you know, I've seen those, we see those, those heads everywhere yeah. here, of course, yeah. Montana, all the big hunters, but it does add, there is something creepy about having an animal Look at you yeah. and some of the decor i'm not going to spoil all of it because it's so worth when you get there pay attention <laughs> to some of the decor in that house and then we can ask lisa later where that idea came from because that there's some creepy stuff in there so was there a in what was the inspiration for the story well you know there's always something it's usually i mean it could be anything it might be a line of poetry it could be a news story it might be a song a photograph in one case it was you know even a piece of junk mail uh, but in the case of uh, of, of secluded cabin, um, it was actually some pandemic vacations that my family and I took to, you know, very similar secluded cabins in places like Blue Ridge, uh, Georgia. Um, in the book, it's Sleepy Ridge, so it's kind of like my like imagined area which is something I tend to do. And um, like uh, Asheville, North Carolina, so we, we sort of wound up in those places because that's where we could drive, right? you know, and um, find a place where we could be kind of socially distant and hike and cook it, you know, at home and still, you know, feel like we had gotten away. Right. And so, you know, I really enjoyed, and they were very similar to this, very beautifully appointed, very comfortable, but, you know, very isolated and dark. And, you know, I just have that kind of brain, you know, I cannot go on vacation, you know, like it's just <laughs> much time off and my brain just is constantly like sort of spinning out dark scenarios and, you know, which is great for fiction and, you know, not so great for life. And I tend to, you know, do that. So it was like, you know, there were certain things like, oh, you know, those wow that block code that's so interesting like does everybody get that same code or is it different for everybody you know there's just like these certain things that right could somebody come back and let me let themselves in after they haven't been here for a few months exactly right. exactly so like yep. those are the kind of things that I found myself thinking about and um and yeah so that was part of it one of those trips involved my extended family um, so I was like, you know, so, you know, traveling with your extended family might also be considered inspirational. <laughs> That's right. Um, right. and meanwhile, I had, you know, this kind of ongoing obsession with DNA testing. Right. Talk yeah, about that. That's really interesting. Yeah. So it's kind of like, 
it's not like for me, like, you know, with the confessions on the 745, it was social media for last girl ghosted. It was online dating. Uh, it's not so much the technology that interests me, although it is of course, in this case, incredibly interesting how, you know, how the DNA testing has evolved over the last like 15 years. Um, but it's more that I'm interested in how these technologies are rewriting the way we relate to each other. And that's a, yeah, that's a really yeah. good point. Those three books are perfect examples of that. And this is, I mean, these, it's like the, in the very first scene, you know, I'm not giving any away by saying that, that they, right. there's these four, they get these tests right. um, at, for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Hannah and her brother, uh, Mako, and then Mako's, uh, or, and the parents too. Everybody gets right. these tests for, right. as a present. And, and the response is very divided. Some people are like, oh, this is kind of interesting. But some people are like, no, thank you. Right, you know, exactly. and I'm a no thank you. I'm a I, no, I am as well. I no am as well. I'm a no thank you. I've done way too much research in the last year, and I was sorely tempted to do it, you know, just for the sake of researching it for the book. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, after doing after doing the reading and, and understanding more about the it's not really the technology or you know, the information that I would be worried about receiving, it's more for me, I'm worried about who owns that data once you send it to them and how can it be used in the future? Mm -hmm. Well, um, and, to, and to add a little spice to it, I, my dad was a sperm donor. Wow. Okay. Right, Cause he was a, yeah. he was a doctor in at Stanford in 1970 and they encouraged everybody who was in medical school there to, you know, to basically donate sperm Wow. because no, they needed sperm donors and nobody thought Right? right so there you go there's your next book <laughs> just well, this is exact, i mean this is exactly right. it right like no, the, at one point the law was it's completely anonymous right right you'll never you'll never be you'll never be approached by these children of yours and then the, the and then okay yeah until the technology changes and then it's not so much that anybody's given out your information it's just that if you've submitted your dna and they've submitted their DNA and people have gone on to this donor sibling registry right. and they're looking for connections, they'll find the connections because it's not just about you. It might also be that your sister gave her, gave right. her DNA or your mom did. Right. So that like the privacy gets chipped away with every person in your family who gives away this information. Yep. So it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of interesting things about it. You know, there's the, uh, like, you know, there's a, um, the group of detectives that are using, um, or yes. were until it was ruled unconstitutional pretty recently using those testing kit, you know, using those testing kits to send out their DNA samples that they had stored. And then, you know, yeah, you may maybe not find the perpetrator, but you might find the perpetrator's cousin. Right. I, I do love the fact that cold cases, you know, they can find their way back um, to killers via, you know, relations that are much more distant than you would imagine. It's not just about finding their sister or their, or their you know, you can exactly. figure out, and, and then they can extrapolate how far removed they are and kind of figure out. It's and really what kind of leads might come from that. But, you know, that's a very slippery slope when you've submitted your DNA because you want to know if you have a pre, like a pre-existing condition or like a genetic predisposition for something. And then all of a sudden the police are on your doorstep because something your cousin may or may not have done 
like that's very questionable. So that's right. definitely something that's in the courts right now. And I think pretty recently it was ruled unconstitutional that no yeah. one could do that. So I think that yeah, are they they had because nobody approved that, right? We didn't no. approve that use that use for our for samples. It's no, so we true. didn't we didn't sign, you know, whatever. And you just have to be careful, like what are you signing? You know, what right. is this implied signature when you right. check that box? Right. You know, and it's fine when everything is the way it is, but you know, you first of all, corporations have not earned our trust. That's mm -hmm. number one. And number two, you know, regimes change as we know. And it's uh it's it's interesting to consider, you know, how that might play out for this. Right. Like when you're applying for a job or you're looking to get Medicaid or insurance, you know, insurance. Right. So true. I mean, there's yeah. lots to consider, lots to consider. Yeah. yeah, that's all. And that is, it's not, we're not that far from any of those realities, which is terrifying. So no, we're not. Um, so this is your 20th book. Happy 20th book. That's amazing. So tell us about that feeling. And, and, you know, is it, do you feel like it's easier? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm guessing I know the answer, but tell us anyway. <laughs> insert maniacal laughter there. Yeah, no, it's not it's not it it's also not any less exciting you know I never wanted to do anything else with my life I've been a writer since I was a kid so I never thought of myself any other way so I feel immensely grateful that I get to continue to do this with my life you know that I make my living doing what I love um, that's a real blessing and I am I never stop being grateful for that it's always amazingly exciting when the book arrives. I have the actual bound book. Thank oh, you. do you? I do. Gorgeous, yeah. right? Yeah. Isn't that the best feeling? The best feeling. It's the best feeling. It's like, it never stops being a moment where I'm like, oh my God, it's here. You know, like I've yeah. never received that book and been like, yeah, you know, here's number 18. <laughs> That's never I don't. I can't imagine I that's going to happen. I right? don't think so. I, I mean, if I if I do, I promise you, you know, author promise, I'm going to hang it up. I have never, I have never stopped being grateful. I've never stopped being in love with what I do. So yeah. that's kind of the cool thing. Does it get any easier? It doesn't. You know, like I said, you sit down to write your next book or you sit down to do your visions and you're like, oh, shit, do I know how to do this? Like, totally. Right what? Like, I know I just did it. Can I do it again? You know? And honestly, again, same thing. Like, I don't know that I would necessarily want it to get easier, you know? Cause I feel like if you think you've got this, you probably have lost it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you just want to, I always want to be on that edge. You know, I always want to be on that edge of trying to be better. You know, that's where I, that's where I've lived, you know, my yeah. whole career, like, Every day, I believe I can be a better writer than I was yesterday. And I firmly believe that. And it's my goal every day. And more than anything else in my career, that's what motivates me. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think fear, you know, that little bit of fear that, you know, you, what, you know, what's coming, it, it drives you to be better. And, you know, yeah. and your books are, there's, it's really clear to us that you are working really hard, which <laughs> I think, you know, readers appreciate, we want to see that our, you know, I mean, it doesn't, it's not like reading the words are hard because you've made them flawless, but it's right. clear that you, this is not a book you wrote in a few weeks, you know? No, no, <laughs> no it's a, it's a full year commitment, but sometimes more, sometimes the seed for an idea started long before the book ever, you know, things turn up. I'm like, oh, 
there it is, you know, like that's, you know, and it's such a deep, for me, it's such a deeply unconscious process. You know, I write mm -hmm. without an outline. I don't know who's going to show up day, day to day. I don't know what they're going to do. I definitely don't know how my book is going to end, you know, so I'm full in it, you know, I'm full on the inside looking out as opposed to, you know, on the outside looking in. And, um, you know, that's how I, that's how I live the work, you know, and I and love that. You don't talk to a lot of people. I'm also not a good, I'm not an outliner. I've never been successful at that, but it certainly looks lovely to be able to outline, but I love to hear that from you. Like, you know, because I think that's, we don't hear that very often. So talk, you know, talk a little bit if you would about, you know, what do you know going into it? Mm -hmm. um, and how do you sort of like not freak out that you're like, wait, what, what's going to happen next? Yeah. I mean, there's not, a, it's such an interesting thing because there's not a lot of thought. There's not a lot of intellect and there's not a lot of choice. Of course there is, but that's not the way I experience it. You know, so I go into it like, you know, like we were talking about like, okay, so there's the pandemic cabin visits. There's the idea of like, tra you know, traveling with your extended family and being in like an enclosed area with them for any extended period of time. And there's like, you know, for me, the DNA testing and then some various news stories that I read and it just kind of turns around in there and turns around. And then, you know, I feel like the best way I can explain it is like, if it connects with something deeper that's going on with me and it's the right moment, I start hearing a voice or voices. Mm -hmm. And so I walk into the book with somebody. In this case, it was, it was actually really Henry. I mean, Henry was really was really my guy you know he was the person that was my first like voice and then Hannah you yeah. know and like how do these people eventually connect at, at the time I didn't know I knew that Hannah was a new mom mm -hmm. you know I knew that she was very invested in the idea of herself as being the good girl yeah that she cleans up the mess that she's the one you call when things go wrong, like that's what, who she is for cricket. That's who she is for her brother Mako. And like, I knew that about her. I knew there was a new baby and I knew that, you know, things were not what they seemed with her family. And so that's kind of what I knew about her going in. And then, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I, I'm, I have like a vague idea of what the book is going to be about. Like I have a vibe you know, I know kind of a, maybe a, like a sort of a sketch-ish <laughs> of what the, what the book is going to be like, you know, just kind of, you know, enough to tell my editor like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, she's like, okay, <laughs> you know, let's see. She, right. She could, she could ask, she knows she could ask, but what about, and what if, and can you, and I'm just yeah. going to be like, I don't know, maybe like I, it's not there until it's there. Do you know what I'm saying? It's mm -hmm. like, I can't, I can't tell you what the book is until I'm writing it. And like, even intellectually, like for me, like if I'm not writing, you know, there's always like, it's always kind of, it's always gestating, you know, it's always yeah. in there. It's yeah. always like turning. And then but it doesn't mean to say I'm thinking, oh, but what if this happened? And then what if that happened? It's not that. It's just in there spinning. And then all of a sudden I hear the next sentence or I see the next mm -hmm. thing. And then I know, okay, I'm back in, I'm back at it. And I can feel that momentum, but it's only in the writing 
that it's clear to me. Interesting. So there are times then when you, when you sort of get to a point where you're like, you have to go give yourself some yeah, space you go because you're like, mm-hmm. you got to go to the gym, you got to bake a cake, you have to do the laundry, you know, you, right. You I totally to hear that. Cake, but you can't go on social media. Daniel Palmer and I talk about this. You don't go on social media. You could do sit-ups, but you can't tweet. You know, you, you need can, to let your brain sort you of be have free. To let your brain, yeah. you know, you can walk in the park. You could go throw the ball for your dog. You know, you can do those things, those things that'll take you to the next, you know, to the next space or let your mind relax, but don't do something that, you know, oh, it masquerades as work. Oh, I'm going to go answer five emails or, oh, I'm going to go on Twitter and, you know, do whatever it is we do on that thing. And, right. and, and then wonder why you can't get back into your manuscript because it is not the same brain. And that's really, that's a great point. Out, if you toggle out to that brain. Yeah. You're not coming back or it's right. going to take you hours to get back. Right. You know? So you just, so you do sort of think of, of a day as like for these hours or whatever it is, I am, it's only the book. Yeah. So I read it. So this is, this for me, my golden creative hours have always been the early, early hours, like 5 a.m. to noon. Wow. Like that's my time, you yeah. know, like to be creative like that. Block. And I have a kid. So of course I don't always get that. Sometimes when she was really little, it was like 3 a.m., right? Like you have to get up and do what you have to do, right? You've got to write the book, you've got the kid, you're, you know, whatever you find your way. So like now she's 16 and her life is bigger. And so my space, the space that I have for things is bigger as well, but it's still early, early morning for me, you know, it's still in that dream brain. Hopefully everybody's still sleeping, you know, and then that's the time before, you know, the stuff starts, like all the chatter of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and then I read this book um, a while back, uh, you, uh, gosh, maybe five years, maybe longer now, um, w- w- during a point where I was like, you know, kind of in a state of burnout, not creatively, but just like with everything else, you yeah. know, and I was like, why am I so mentally fried? Why am I so mentally exhausted all the time? I read this book, it's called Deep Work, by Cal Newport. I'm an, like evangelist for this book. I've talked about it to everyone who listens. Good. I want to read it. It's, you know, it, he talked about my big takeaway from it. There's a lot of really interesting, fascinating stuff in there, but my big takeaway was the creative blocks. So mm-hmm. you block you or you batch, you batch your time. So if you're going up to your office or you're going to wherever it is that you write and you're saying to yourself, the next two hours or the next three hours or the next 45 minutes or whatever it is that your natural brain energy cycle is, right? For most, you know, for most professional creatives, you can probably squeak out about three hours maybe before your brain starts to go, I need something. I need right. <laughs> like, right, right. <laughs> doing this to me. I need something, right? Like right, whatever right. it is, but like you, you know, you've got those batches where you are, you've set your intention to be creative in those batches and that, you know, if you toggle out during the, during that time that you are going to have either an impossibility of getting back or a very long drag and you'll be lesser when you get back to the page. If you've done, you know, if you've been on Twitter doing whatever it is again so interesting yeah it makes so much sense to me I'm a deep work what was the author's name again Cal Newport Uh, and notably you will not find him on social media (laughs) right why is that I know 
I find that very refreshing. Practice, yeah, I got to practice what you <laughs> preach. So we were talking about your daughter, which is actually a really lovely segue, I think, into um, into the character of Hannah, who is um, the daughter of this family, and she's married to a lovely man, Bruce. We were talking a moment earlier before we started recording about you have lovely men in your books, and I said to Lisa that it must mean that she's married to a lovely man, and she said that she is. So. Um, because I think that's how sometimes this is now I'm getting off on a tangent, but to give it a moment, sometimes I feel like we read a lot about there are obviously bad men. There's bad men in in secluded, you know, cabin and there's bad men everywhere. But it is also lovely to sort of be able to, you know, really contrast them in the book um, with the good yeah. men. And I really Henry and and also um, Anna's husband, Bruce, that they're lovely. It's really lovely to read about them and they feel very authentic and real. But what I was going to talk about was Hannah um, has a young child, you know, and so, you know, I wanted to, I mean, your daughter's now 16. My kids are even older than that, um, you know, but we remember that. So, you know, yeah. that strikes us. This is the first time she's going to leave her baby behind. Yes. Talk about that. Yeah. So this is the, in the book, this is the first time she's going to leave Gigi and she's lucky that she has her mom is not necessarily the person to do it but you know Bruce's mom is and so she you know she really does struggle in that moment of like going away with her husband you know and I think we all know that moment like in 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 new motherhood I mean if you're awake alive and paying attention and thinking about your life where you're like wow I'm this I'm a mom to this little person now like everything I do matters to her you know what I mean every every choice I make impacts her and yet I'm still myself and I'm still um you know a a wife to my husband I still want a couplehood and then how do you how do you wind about how do you wind up balancing all of those mm -hmm. I mean most of us you know sort of are are aware of that struggle you know yes and so I really I really felt it and I you know I will say with with my daughter Ocean and this is actually kind of a funny aside she is 16 and she's like you know total good neck like sweet kid um and all that but you know Jeff and I just recently went to Sco went to Scotland oh yeah I went to bloody Scotland which was amazing um, but you know, it is really, it really was the first time that we went on vacation without our daughter. Yeah. You know, which like, is insane. She's 16. It's, it's crazy. Uh. It wasn't really vacation. It was work, but it was that we, we tried also to have vacation and, um, it was like, you know, she came on every book tour with me. She came everywhere Amazing. all over the world with me, you know, cause I was not hardwired to leave her. And right not hardwired to stop doing what I did so we had to figure out how does that work as a family and usually that meant my husband would come right my parents would come you oh, know wow. like it was the worst like clingiest most chaotic entourage that anybody ever put together for them <laughs> but you made it work like that's you recognize any other way I yeah exactly you know yeah. I, I would not have I don't know how I did it looking back on that now 
And I think that's always true, like in writing, you know, like, especially when you're writing about something like that, like when you're in those moments of conflict and, you know, sort of fracture, like internal fracture, am I this, am I that, am I, you know, can I be a good mom? Can I also write? Can I do all this stuff? Like you can't really write about it because you're in it. It's only when you, when you've moved past it that you can look back and go and have that real perspective on it. It's so true. Yeah. And 16 years is about the length of time it takes, I think, to yeah. have perspective on how hard those first <laughs> years are. <laughs> you get through like, the trauma. I, yeah, exactly. I know. It's terrible. We survived. So it's like there's some quote that says, as being a parent is being some tiny person's bitch, <laughs> which I love because it is. It's, it's so like true. They're you just like anything for them. You just totally. like, yeah, a hundred percent. Like if you, I mean, they're all different kinds of parents, but like, if you're that kind of parent where you live for your kid, you, you know, if you're those kind of parents where you live for your kids, where you at some point do stop living for yourself and yeah. <laughs> live for your, live for your kids, then you are, you're definitely their bitch. Like no doubt you're, yeah. you're, gonna, you're going to do anything for them, no matter what. Totally. <laughs> and unfortunately, like I, I always thought, oh no, you know, my kids, but they still like 20 and yeah. 22, they're like, mom, I need, I'm like, mom, okay. I need, okay. <laughs> totally. Mom, my Amazon, my Amazon bill is always like, wait, who has been in my Amazon account? The children, <laughs> the children have been in there. Um, right. Well, I love, and I also sort of love, so Mako is the older sibling. Yeah. But, and, and Hannah, the younger sibling, but I also yeah. love that Hannah seems kind of like that. There's something about the firstborn who's usually the caregiver, you know, that yes. takes care of everything. But Hannah does that um, so much for her brother and, you know, and still does it today and has, you know, done it. We see flashbacks of that happening when they were younger. Um, and it's, it's, I think there are, there's so many that felt so authentic to me. Um, and I'm sure to, to many people in our audience. So, you know, what, what do you think, what about her inspired like that? Do you know where that came from? Yeah. I mean, I guess to some degree, and there's always this conversation about character, right? Like, you know, how much of you is in in, of your character and, and it's like nothing and everything, you know, is the answer to that. You know, it's like, it's all me, right? I mean, (laughs) even if I don't experience it that way, it's all my imagination, uh, some amalgamation of my, you know, ideas, my observations, the, my, my real relationships, you yeah. know, imagined things overheard, you know, like that's the writing life, right? Is like observation. And then, you know, if you're paying attention, that stuff works its way into the fiction, right? So like for Hannah, you know, I feel like there's a little piece of me and her in that, like, I always do consider myself to be like that captain safety, you know, like I'm the <laughs> one who's like, don't run on the pool deck. <laughs> right, right. Like, I'm the one that's cringing when all the kids are like jumping in the pool, you know, right. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm that person who's like, hey, watch out for that, blah, 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 you know, and everyone's like, oh God, you know, but like, I'm like that captain safety, like that safety, like I, my, like my favorite kind of person is like a safety engineer, <laughs> like thinks about why, how to prevent accidents from happening. <laughs> right, right. I'm with you. I am, I'm that way too. I agree. Right. It's like, come on. But then you're just picturing, like, I immediately can picture, like, the gushing head wound that's going to happen if two kids hit heads in the way into the water or whatever. I mean, come on, it happens. So it's like, it's all, so I'm always that, always that person, you know, so there's a little bit of that, I think, in me. And I just think that, you know, it's such an, it's such a natural kind of, um, 
like seesaw of a relationship that you know you can see that like almost like you're you could cross over that line from being the caretaker the you know the good one the smart one the the one who cleans up the mess to being like an enabler to the fe- to the point where people behave even more badly because they know you're there to clean up the mess right and so which we, I, right which is so interesting yeah and there's always these dynamics in families right yeah. There's always the, you know, and there, you know, sometimes it's like a predator prey relationship. Sometimes it's like the narcissist and the narcissistic feeder, um, you know, the addicted and the enabler, you know, the kind of like, you know, the codependence, you know, that type of thing. And it's like, I think that, you know, these relationships are something that we're, you know, we're all familiar with, even, you know, if it's not us, we can see it in somebody else. And, you know, I'm, that's what, fa- that fascinates me. And it's, it's fully a theme that you probably could pick out of any of my novels is like yes. this idea of the family, you know, like there's, it's bought and sold, especially around the holidays, the big collected family gets together right. and everyone is like joined in love and support and it's all perfect and past the gravy and whatnot and then it's like under the table there's a whole you know sort of labyrinth of you know interpersonal dynamics that you know form us yeah family's messy that's what I love about I love about this book is it's family's messy and I also love the dynamic that happens between you know Mako um who Hannah loves and her husband, because Hannah is really sort of in the middle of those two relationships in a kind of an interestingly can be tense way, right? Because she adores yeah. both of them in different yeah. ways. Um, yeah. And and that that's a real tension um, for her. Yes. And I also love that dynamic as well. And, you know, this is something that I've seen in my own life is where the spouse comes in and has a completely different perspective on the dysfunction and is like, whoa, wait a minute. This is not okay. This is wait, don't mess with our dysfunction. What do you right, mean? Like, yeah. This is not okay. You're right, exactly. And nobody wants that guy to start no. messing around with the script. You know, we don't need an editor like to come in and start rewriting and doing whatever, but like but that is what happens, you know, yeah. like if you've chose, if you've done your work and you've chosen well in your spouse, you may have somebody come into your family that goes, Mm-mm, this is yeah. not, I'm going to, I don't want this in my life or in the life of my child. Right. Who right. might be, it's, your, who might be your grandchild. Right. Right. It's really, and yeah. It's super it's interesting. So complicated. It's so complicated. And, you know, like, and also that idea of like, family right like what is it is it biology is it choice is it action perfect that's I was gonna I was gonna actually talk about that because I do think that there's an interesting you know they especially once you have a baby right I feel like when you're a married couple you know your family still relates I think I always thought of my family still as like my parents and my siblings but when you have a baby you it's a different family unit and it changes everything it's a family that you've, it's the family that you have created. Mm-hmm. So your, your spouse has brought what he or she has brought forward from her, from, from that family of origin. 
and you brought forward from your family of origin um you know all different stuff and but you've you've chosen each other yeah you picked each other you're not biologically related to each other until hopefully (laughs) yeah (laughs) until you have a child right right and then there's this link between you that now you are now you have come together and you are the family of origin for yeah and it means pulling yourself away from your your you know your family your original family and also that feels weird sometimes for siblings who are not yet you know, I think the Mako's perspective of the, the baby is not, he doesn't understand it in the way, obviously, the Hannah well, understands yeah, it. Yeah, Mako's like, oh, just leave the baby. It's not right. if you don't leave the baby. And it's right. like, and you so know that from being a young parent or being a new parent or being the first parent mm-hmm. in your family, you know, among your siblings. And totally. like, looking at them and thinking, oh, man, you just do not get it. You don't get it. Like, there Wait. is no- there is yeah. no vacation. It's not, it's not, there is no vacation. You don't turn that, you don't ever stop being somebody's mom. If you're that kind of mom, you don't mm. ever, you know, even if you were to go away, it would be so fraught with. It, right. It's so true. It's, for it's, a week, you're tortured by guilt, you uh, know, like right. the phone rings constantly. You're constantly calling, you know, like even when we went to Scotland, like the stream of texts from my parents and my daughter was like, it was actually hilarious. You're like, wait, this is not a vacation. Cause I feel like I'm just talking to you guys nonstop. Wow, I talk, talk, like I'm still, I've still got the app, you know, that tracks my daughter, you know, that life three, right. like I'm still watching it, but I'm in Scotland. I know. I track my I'm children the and they are adults. Like, oh, Ocean's at Panera. I, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I think you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't, the mothering thing doesn't go away. So I know we're limited on time. I've, oh, yeah. I have one, two more quick questions for, oh, well, yeah. one quickie and one a little bit longer. Um, I want to know if you let your daughter read your books, because that was always a bone of contention in our house. Yeah, she has started reading. Yeah, because it was funny because like, she didn't really, generally speaking, didn't have any interest. Mm-hmm. You know, like when she was little, you know, she was interested in what I did, but she didn't ever, ever make the leap to think I could be reading. And then suddenly her, her friends were older and all of a sudden her friends were reading my books, like their moms were reading it. And then they were taking it and they're like, and they're like, I read your mom's book. And she's like, I never read your book. And I was like, okay, well, when you're re- when you want to read, you can start to read. And so she she reads, she reads the books and she, she, we, and then we sit down and talk about it, which is a complete mind, a complete mind blow. I mean, complete mind blow. And she even said just the other day, she's like, it's so funny when I read your books, like I see all these pieces of you and me and dad and, you know, others. And, you know, I hear your voice and, you know, and I always find that, I mean, I never really imagined that, right talking to my daughter about my books but in some sense you know I feel like you know she'll if she wants it she'll have that you know she'll always have because because it's all of me I mean I put all of myself into that book every year you know like every 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 piece of my psyche you know goes in there in some way or another not that I give 
all of myself. She, you know, my family always comes first, but to the degree that I can, I give all of myself to the work and that, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that she'll, if no one else, (laughs) well, obviously she'll have that. She'll have right. Right. Like she I do open the, any of those books and find me. Yeah. That's I so get, sweet to I think of it that way. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I love that. And I, I, I think that's right. When they, when they get ready, when they want to read them, that's the time. Um, yeah. I have one who does and one who doesn't. So that's where I am on that. Yeah, some people um, don't want to read their parents' books. That's for sure. I get that. I told, yeah. I a hundred percent get that. Um, okay. So before you have to leave us, tell us what is next. Lisa, what can you tell us what you're working on? I don't you hate that question? You're like, excuse me, I just am putting out another a book right this minute, and you wanted to ask me what's coming after that. I am not going to tell you, Danielle. I'm not going to so here's my thing, which is funny because it's it's really about process. So I am done with my next book and I am in, you know, sort of the revision process. But like I will not be able to talk about that book until like right now, like this week is the first time I'm actually talking about secluded cabins <laughs> because like, I can't like, it's almost like it takes me that long to figure out what I wrote. Right. It may That's... take me like, I have to write something else and, you know, be working in this case, a novel, a short story and a novella since I wrote wow. this. Yeah. And I, and it takes me that time to go, what, what did I actually, what did I actually write? You That's know, hilarious. So you sit, you're, you're doing, you sit back, you take it cold and read it again before you're no, going to have to talk about no, it. No, Once it's bound, I'll never look at it again. <laughs> <laughs> but it's in you. No, it's, no. it's totally in you. I will. It is completely, but I will never, I will never look at it again because anytime you're in your work, you're rewriting, right? Like, That's so true. I, right. I mean, if I were to open this up, I would find 50 things I wanted to do better and it would torture me. Totally. <laughs> I totally get it. Book, unless it's, somebody forces me to read from it. Yes. Well, they might do that, but it's a beautifully <laughs> bound book. <laughs> unless somebody forces me to read from it, I'm not, I'm not looking at it because it's a done deal. And I mean, I might like these days you can, because of course, any mistake you have made will come to you in every possible from every possible direction yes. be it social media email etc like yeah. i found on page 64 that I... you blah 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 and you're like okay great thanks and then you write to your editor oh there's a typo on page 64 right. and they can push it now to the e and then yeah. they can put it in the paperback but yes. it doesn't matter it's still flawed it's still so like once you know yes. like, How, well, what else can i find if i started right like, can you just send these directly to this email address that's instead right. of to me? That's I'm going to put that on my autoresponder. If you've written to tell me about a typo in a book that you got from the library that's 10 years old. Right. Here's where who you see an email. Yeah. Lisa Unger trash at gmail.com. <laughs> exactly. I love it. That's an, okay. So Lisa, you have a fabulous newsletter. I subscribe. So tell listeners where to find you on social media and your website. And to, of course, join your newsletter. Cause that's where I wait. We first get to see your um, cover reveals. Oh yes, absolutely. So my newsletter is, is, uh, is you can subscribe to it via the website, lisaunger.com. And if you do subscribe to it, you get a free short story 
called the 20. And I, um, I love my newsletter. Uh, It's a, it's, I do it every month. It's a pretty big undertaking, but like some of the people who are reading that newsletter have been reading it for like 20 years. Amazing. And that's kind of amazing, you know, and And it's not, you don't, you don't make blow. It's not a huge, I mean, it's an undertaking for you, but it's a lovely, like always fun, always really valid news. It's fun. I always try to keep it very light and fluffy, you know, very fast. I'm, you know, mindful of people's time. I really try to make sure, you know, I put a lot into it so that it's fun for people when they open it, you know, I want it to be, you know, actual stuff that they might want to know about. And, uh, and so I do, you know, definitely sort of keep that in mind when I, when I'm creating it. Um, and it's, it's great to have, like, and I occasionally I'll like send out this email and be like, Hey, if you want to unsubscribe, go ahead, you know, no hard feelings because (laughs) you just want to call the list a little bit. You want to make sure that are receiving it and you always get back all these responses no I love your newsletter and I'm always like okay great so that's That's, good that's awesome some people unsubscribe but my husband doesn't tell me that that's right good job good job oh your mom unsubscribed oh okay (laughs) that was an error you know that's not a techie generation I'm sure it was a mistake (laughs) um okay and now on social media because I know you're on I know you're everywhere I am I'm everywhere which is yeah, I'm everywhere. You cannot miss me. I'm on Instagram at, at LA Unger. I'm at, on Twitter at, at Lisa Unger, which it tells you how old I am. So it's not yes. like Lisa Unger, like three, nine, six or whatever. It's like- Well, just how fast you were to get on there. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, OG, OG on that one. And then um, on Facebook at author Lisa Unger. Okay. Well, start with lisaunger.com, everybody. That's the best place. And Secluded Cabin Sleep 6 is out November 3rd. Uh, November 2nd. 8th. 8th. Yeah. So I'm I'm off on my days. It's out out super soon. It's fabulous. You, everybody must pick it up. It's, and actually all of your books. It's really, it's so, they're, they all have really fun twists and they're lovely read you're a beautiful writer so thank you for joining me everybody thanks for joining us on killer women with my guest today lisa unger and we will see you next time bye